0: We have introduction this morning. I want to show you a picture as we begin our, continue our series on our renewed purpose. A picture of a a British family, a mom and her two sons. The mom's name is Tandy Palms, and uh, she's there with her two sons. The one on the right, the oldest one there, his name is Otis. Otis is almost six feet tall now. This picture was taken a couple of years ago, and and now Otis is nineteen. I think there he was maybe sixteen or so, something like that, two or three years, and and Otis, about six feet tall, 19 years old, and she's holding her younger son. His name is Angus. Otis and Angus. Those are kind of cool names. And uh, how old do you think Angus is that she's holding there? Maybe maybe uh, two, three, four. How many think he'd be in that two, three, four-year-old range? Maybe something like that. Kind of what he looks like to me and when I saw the picture. And, and uh, what if I told you that Angus is 17 years old? He's only two years younger than his older brother Otis, and in that picture there, that picture was two or three years ago, In that picture there, he's a teenager. And uh, there he's, he's, I think, that picture, I think he's 13 or 14, and now he's 17, and and I don't give this illustration to ridicule this family in any way. God God makes every person differently. And God, my family, my brother has special needs. I understand uh, those things. And I, my brother has Down syndrome. I've been with my brother growing up in the special needs community a good bit. And, and sometimes those with special needs, they bring some of the greatest joys and blessings and teach us some, some amazing things that in our lives and, and bring love into our hearts that we never would have imagined without them. So I don't say this to to ridicule this family in any way, but Angus has a a rare chromosomal uh, uh, disorder, if you will, um, where he, uh, condition I should say, where he, at the age of three, he stopped growing. He was born at a typical, what seemed healthy, six pounds, seven ounces and continued to grow as a, what we would call a typical toddler. And then at age three, he stopped growing. And, and since that time, he's had more than 40 surgeries. He's visited doctors hundreds of times. And, and this family, they have shared his story. And, and they've been in, on television and news and talked about those things and some of their challenges and what they've learned. But when I say that Angus there is 17 years old, we immediately look and say, well, something's not typical that seems that maybe there's something health-wise that isn't exactly what it should be. And th- this family says when they began to realize that, they began to reach out and to medical experts and to see what, what treatments can be done and how can we care for this and what would be the answer here and, and what will this mean for, for his life and for our care of him. They, they realized that a healthy toddler should not stop growing at the age of three. And, 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 and there's something different here that we're gonna have to work on. And they sought out help. Why? Because they understood children are not supposed to stop growing, as is evidenced by his older brother Otis. Well, what does Angus this morning have to do with our message today? May I say this? Christians are not supposed to stop growing either. And we're going to see from Scripture when they do, there's something. That is wrong, or there's something that needs to be dealt with. There's something that needs to be seen in our lives. For the last two Sundays, I've been preaching through our church purpose. What, what is our, our renewed purpose? And, and last week, we saw the first part of our four week church purpose, our four part church purpose, share the gospel. Why does the church exist? We saw the end of, of Luke, the gospel of Luke, and then we saw uh, the beginning of Acts. Jesus told his disciples, You're supposed to be witnesses. I left you here, you've received the truth. You're supposed to share it with everybody that you can. Why does the church exist? We're not just a religious social club. It doesn't, and we're going to get to this in a couple of weeks, it, one of the reasons we exist is to build relationships. We're a church family, but that's not the only reason, and I would say that's not even the primary reason, Is just the social aspect of it or the relational aspect of it. The primary reason why the church exists, why with the commission, the command that he left his disciples was to go to all the world and, and preach the gospel, to share the gospel. okay. So you share the gospel. Somebody shared the gospel with you. You received Christ as Savior. You share the gospel with someone else. You're saved. Now what? Our church, we have an outreach event. We run the buses as we did today. We, 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 we reach people through our ministry. Somebody gets saved in the Christian school, in Sunday school, in youth ministry, in children's ministry, in the adult ministry, one of the main services. We have a big community outreach event and people come to know Christ as Savior. They're saved. Now what? Does our church purpose end? Is that the ultimate? Is that the end of, of our Christian lives? Okay, I know Christ is Savior. When I, if I die, I'm going to heaven. By the way, if you're here today and you don't know Christ as Savior, you're not 100% sure that if you were to die today that you would go to heaven. Get that settled today. Make that decision to trust Christ as Savior today. Let him forgive you of every one of your sins and save your soul. But that is not the end of the Christian life. That's just the beginning. And we're gonna see that here. If you'll turn with me to Matthew chapter number 28. Again, last week in Share the Gospel, we looked at the final words of Christ to his disciples in, in the Gospel according to Luke. Today we're going to look at Matthew's account. By way of context and understanding what we're reading, in the last few verses of, the, of Matthew, Matthew 28, Jesus has been crucified, he's been buried, and three days later he rose again. So what we're reading are his words in between the resurrection and the ascension. He has risen from the dead, but he has not yet ascended back into heaven. After he rose from the dead, he spent about 40 days here on earth, and he gave some commands. He, he did some different things. And we're going to see the final recorded words in Matthew's gospel of what Christ said between, right before his ascension, between his resurrection and his ascension. Matthew chapter number 28, verse number 16. Then the eleven disciples, there's only eleven because Judas, of course, has has hung himself. Then the eleven disciples went away, Matthew 28, 16, into Galilee, into a mountain where Jesus had appointed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore, because of the power I have, here's your purpose. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. This is what we talked about last week. This is their, their priority, their first purpose is, go share the gospel. Reach people with the good news of Jesus Christ. Let people know how Christ has changed your life. That's your, that's your purpose. Okay, so we do that. Somebody shared the gospel with me uh, some 30, 32 and a half years ago. As a nine-year-old boy, I came to know Christ, the Savior. Okay, we share the gospel and somebody comes to know Christ. Now what? Does our purpose end there? Does our purpose stop there? Let's look and let's read verse number 20 aloud together. Ready? Begin. Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. Do you see the next two wo- The first two words of verse 20? teaching them teaching them what's the purpose I've shared the gospel. Somebody got saved. What's next? Here's the the second part of the purpose of the Christian life, what what we should be doing in our lives, what we should be focusing on in our lives and in our families and in our marriages and in our ministries and why we have a Christian school and why we have Sunday school classes when we do, which we haven't for a little while, but Lord willing, we'll be relaunching those, some connection groups in 2021, why we have Bible studies and why we have a Sunday morning service. And tonight I'll be preaching a different message at five o'clock and we're going through a series on the life of King Saul And Wednesday night, Pastor Sammy will be kicking off a a four-week series on prayer. Why do we have these three services a week and sometimes other services? It's for this purpose. The second part of our church's fourfold purpose is this, to grow in the gospel. To grow in the gospel in the gospel, not just to share the gospel, but once we've shared it and people have been saved, if somebody has shared the gospel with you and you've been saved, what is your purpose? What is the command? What, what is the reality of your life as a Christian? You are supposed to grow in the gospel. You're not supposed to stop there where you were. And, and Jesus in scripture used an analogy as it relates to our spiritual lives that all of us clearly understand because it's our experience in our physical lives. He used t- t- the analogy of our spiritual lives with that of our physical lives. Spiritual growth with physical growth. In fact, in John chapter number three, Jesus speaking to a very religious person who did not know for sure if they were going to heaven. By the way, religion is not what gets you to heaven. Bible knowledge is not what gets you to heaven. It's a relationship with Christ, accepting Him as your Savior that gets you to heaven. And Nicodemus, this very knowledgeable religious leader, came to Jesus and said, how, how do we get to the kingdom of heaven? Tell tell me about it. And what did Jesus say in John 3? Marvel not that I say unto you, ye must be born, what? You must be born again. And Nicodemus was confused. He said, born again? What are you talking about? Am I going to go back into my mother's womb and be born when I'm old? That doesn't make any sense. Jesus said, no, 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 no. It's an analogy. But what is he saying? He likened our spiritual birth, our salvation with our physical birth. Well, why is that? We understand physically that our physical birth is a one-time thing. You don't have to get saved over and over and over again. Every Sunday you come to church, you don't need to get saved all over again. It's a one time. There's a time and a place. That's why sometimes I'll talk to people and I'll say, now, do you know for sure if you were to die that you would go to heaven? And they'll say, oh yes, I know that for sure. And I'll say, well, what are you trusting in? What is it that you're trusting in to get you to heaven? Well, I've been in church my whole life. That would like be like somebody saying, well, when's your birthday? I've been alive my whole life. No, we have a birthday. We know the day and the time, the, the time and the place. And if we don't, we obviously, our, our parents do. Our mom remembers that. It's not, well, oh yeah, I've done that. I'll, I'll talk to some people and say, has there ever been a time and a place where you've placed your faith and trust in Christ alone as your savior, accepting him as your personal savior? And so, oh yeah, I do that every night. Well, according to Jesus' analogy, that doesn't work. That's not scriptural theology. That again would be like saying, well, when were you born? Oh, I do that every night. Oh, that doesn't make sense. Jesus used in our salvation an analogy we all understand. And then throughout the New Testament, even a little bit in the Old Testament, you'll see that same analogy of physical growth carrying on in our spiritual lives. The, the, what, what did, what did uh, Peter say in 1 Peter chapter number 2, verses 2 and 3? He said, as newborn babes, babies, desire the sincere milk of the word that ye may, what church, that ye may what? grow thereby, if so be ye have tasted that the Lord is gracious. If you've been saved, if you've tasted of the grace of God, here's what you should be. As newborn babes, desire the sincere milk of the word. Man, I want to know more. Yes, I'm saved and I'm on my way to heaven, but teach me more. What does the Bible say? I wanna get into it, I wanna read it. And I might not understand it all. Just like a newborn baby can't eat everything and you can't give them meat and fruits and vegetables. You can only give them milk. It might not all make sense to me, but give me more. You ever been around a newborn baby? They're almost always hungry right? Every hour or two, they're wanting to eat. We're getting ready to welcome a, you pray for us, a puppy into our house as if we didn't have enough going on in our lives. And I've read two books and watched. 3,000 hours of YouTube video, it's just my personality, I have a little bit of an obsessive personality disorder, and when I go into something, I go all the way into it, so I'm trying to be completely prepared, and I'm getting a little nervous, because it's like, you got to feed them, then you got to take them out 53 times a day, and you got to do all this stuff, well, a newborn baby, I guess, maybe a little bit like a puppy, they want to eat a lot, they're hungry, they want, they sleep a lot, and you ever been around a newborn baby? don't do this right now with COVID, but, but you go and you touch their cheek, if you're not their parent, that you touch their cheek with your knuckle or something like that. what do they do? They immediately try to, they're looking for anything to latch onto, to get food. Why? They desire the sincere milk of the word. Give me more. I want to, I, I, I'm, one, one setting isn't enough. I need to eat all day long. And, and moms of newborn babies know exactly what I'm talking about. There goes one right now. She got mad. I was talking about newborn baby. Steffi's not mad. But uh, got a newborn baby there. Marky right there. He might be time to eat just, just on cue as we're talking about it. But, but I, I can't get enough. It's not, well, I, no. And he says, he likens this, the physical life to the spiritual life. What did Paul say to the church in, the, the church at Corinth? He said, and I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual. You were not spiritually mature, but as unto carnal. Even as unto, what did he liken them to? Even as unto what, church? Babes in Christ. Little babies. Even as unto babes in Christ, I have fed you with milk and not with meat. For hitherto you were not able to bear it. Neither yet now are ye able, for ye are yet carnal, for whereas there is among you envying and strife and divisions. Are you not carnal and walk as men? What is he saying? He's saying, I, I, can't, I can't go any farther in this Christian life with you. I can't teach you more because you haven't grabbed on to these basic things. You can only handle milk. You're not growing spiritually, and he likened it because we understand newborn infant toddler, young child, starts to run, walk, ride a bike, grow, hits puberty, learns how to drive, leaves the house, lives on the road. We understand that natural progression of the physical life, and Paul says we should be seeing some similar things in your spiritual lives. I'm afraid there are many Christians sitting in churches all around the world today that have been saved for decades but they stopped growing at age two or three or four. They're spiritual toddlers. And Paul said, he said, one of the ways you know that is the fruit that comes out of your life if you're a mature Christian or not. He said, here, you're constantly fighting over stupid stuff. And, and well, you know, my, he says, some of you, if you keep reading that passage, some of you say, well, I'm of Paul, I'm of, of Apollos. He said, we're not, a, we're of Jesus. And basically it's like little kids. My dad can beat up your dad. No, my dad can beat up your dad. You go to the nursery right now, and, and a kid grabs a little car, and the other one comes up and grabs the car. What are they going to do? Sometime, if it's my child, they're going to say, here, you play with my car. But if it's someone else's child, they might not treat them so well like that. No, what are they going to do? My kids included. What are they going to do? At that age, they're going to scratch and bite and claw and cry and slap and hit and shove and push them down to the ground. Why? They're not mature enough to understand how to deal with the struggles of interpersonal relationships. What did Paul say here? You've got envyings and strife. You're fighting over the stupidest stuff. Why? Because you're still like little babies. You haven't grown up into the spiritual maturity that you should. Immature Christians will struggle in their Christian life, always fighting about dumb things. Hebrews 5, the writer of Hebrews says, of whom we have many things to say and hard to be uttered, seeing you are dull of hearing. You're not really growing like you should be. You're not really getting it. "'For when for the time you ought to be teachers, "'you should have matured into a spiritually mature person "'that's helping others, "'you have need that one teach you again, "'which be the first principles of the oracles of God, "'and are become such as have need of what, church? "'Of milk and not of strong meat.'" For everyone that useth milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe or baby. But strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age. They've grown up. Even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. What is the writer of Hebrews saying? He's saying, it's time for you. You should have matured past this and be, be using what you've learned to help others. But you're still like a little baby that has to be cared for. You have to be babysat. Oh, please, oh, please, oh, please. Would you please love of the Lord. Would you please come to church? Would you please be a good husband or a good wife? Or a, and, and we have to beg and help. And I'm not saying that, that none of us ever need help or guidance or input or counsel. I'm not saying that. But what is the writer here saying? He's saying you need to spiritually grow. You shouldn't be staying as a newborn baby in your spiritual life. You should be growing. Peter said in Second Peter three, verses seventeen and eighteen, ye therefore, beloved, seeing you knew, know these things before, beware you did grow, you matured, be careful lest you also being led away with the error of the wicked, fall from your own steadfastness. Our growth is is not always linear in the Christian life. Sorry, you have to forgive me. What we put in, I'm going to talk about this in a minute. What we put in our heads is what everything, what, what comes out. I've been learning that about dog training. T- they say it's not linear just because a dog learns one thing. Two days later, he may not remember it or want to do it. You have to go back and teach it. And in our spiritual lives, our growth is not linear either. Well, I, I conquered that in my life. It'll, what did, what did the, Peter say here? He said you were there, but now you've let a wrong influence come in and you've taken a couple steps back in your spiritual life. Now, what does he say? He says, but you've fallen from your own steadfastness. You've regressed a little bit spiritually. So what's the answer? But grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. What's the command? But grow. 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 Mature mature. Grow up in Jesus. Don't be an immature Christian your entire Christian journey. Grow up. And sadly, again, many churches are filled with Christians who have been saved for decades and yet they are still spiritual toddlers. Children who have grown up in church their entire life at 16, 17, 18. Still, they, they have no desire for the meat of the word as teenagers, as single adults, as college students. It's, 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 it, there, there's, they've never grown up past just what's entertaining, what makes me feel good. No. A deep real, authentic, passionate relationship to know and live for Christ. So I want to give us really, I only have two main points today. I want to give us a couple of thoughts on this idea of our purpose of grow in the gospel. I want you to see what type of growth should we be looking for? Number one, healthy growth. Healthy growth. What do I mean by that? All, all food is not created equal in, in, or in terms of nutrition. We need to make sure we put the right things in. Talked about this in the early service. Ryan and Damaris have a three or four week old little three week old little cruise, newborn. And and you you're not going to give him a steak today. You're not going to fill his bottle with Dr Pepper. You're not going to put that in. You're not going to you're not. What are you going to give him? You're going to give him milk. Why? That's what his body can process. You put the right things in, and that little guy will quickly grow. Uh, undoubtedly, from in three weeks, you look at a picture from three weeks ago to today. The growth has been astounding. Why? They're putting the right nutrition in, the right things in, and it leads to growth in our lives. Garbage in, garbage out. What we put in our bodies comes out in our health and our physical condition. What we put into our hearts and our minds will come out in our actions, in our spiritual condition. The Bible says it this way, Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. What I put in comes out. It affects my growth, my, my, the things that I allow in, the influences I allow into my life. That's why it's important as Christians that we guard our television programming our streaming services, our music, the movies that we watch, the relationships that we have, the social media that we're involved in. We have to guard those things. Why? Because just like you take a little three-year-old, three-week-old, and put Dr. Pepper or Mountain Dew in his bottle, and you do that, you're going to have a problem. The health is going to be affected greatly. Putting the wrong things in physically, the same is true in our Christian lives. We put the wrong things in, reading the wrong books, listening to the wrong podcasts, whatever it might be in our lives. We've got to be careful. I've watched as over the last nine, 10 months, many people, even Christians, anxieties and blood pressure and mental health and even their faith in God and their spiritual spirituality has been greatly affected during this pandemic and during this election season. And, and I've watched people that, that are mature, I believe Christians that have, have lived for God for a lifetime, getting tossed about with different winds of doctrine and their focus off of Christ and on onto this. And there's basically the idea of there's no way God could still be in control if this is happening in our nation and this is happening in our world how does that happen how do we get there where we were once spiritually mature and we kind of regress in those ways how does it happen it happens because we feast on the wrong things negative news and injustices and theories and reports and and maybe conspiracies and more if we put the wrong things into our minds it's going to affect our thinking it's why we need more of his word and less of man's wisdom We need more spiritual and less carnal, more spiritual and less sinful. As Paul was sitting in a prison cell for preaching the gospel, where was his head and his heart at? He was sitting in prison for preaching the gospel. What did he write to the church at Philippi? A familiar passage, Philippians chapter number four. Be careful for nothing. That word careful means, that doesn't mean cautious. It means anxious, full of care. Be anxious Be full of care. Be stressed out for nothing. This is a guy sitting in prison for preaching the gospel. I think he had a reason to be a little anxious. How long am I going to be in here? Why am I in here? This is not fair. This is not right. The government has not been just. This this was not a just outcome in my life. And what did he say? Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And what happens when you do that? The peace of God which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. And then in context, what does he say? Finally, brethren, with that thought in mind, finally, brethren, whatsoever things are what? True. Whatsoever things are what? Talk to me honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report. If there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. And then he says, those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, and the God of peace shall be with you. You want to be spiritually mature and not be tossed about with every wind of doctrine and not be tossed about with every fear and struggle. I saw this video on YouTube. I think this is happening, the end of the world and this and that. And by the way, the end of the world's coming. I don't know when. The rapture's coming. The Bible says no man knows the day or the hour. It's not my job to figure that out. I don't need to watch some 12-hour 12, 12 long study. Every guy that's ever tried to guess it throughout has all been wrong to figure out, well, based on these numbers and based on this special thing, by, by November 14th, 2021, that's when Jesus comes back. You know what I need to focus on? Sharing the gospel and growing in the gospel until he comes back. I'm not saying being ignorant about prophecy, being ignorant about those things, about eschatology. I'm not saying to be ignorant about those things. I'm saying be careful what you feast on. Is it healthy spiritually? What did Paul say? You've got nothing to worry about. Take whatever you're burdened about to God in prayer. Thank him for what he's done for you. And then think on pure. Lovely. Would that list, would that describe your social media content this week? Would that list describe your music playlist this week? Would that list describe your, your Netflix, Hulu, Amazon Prime uh, viewing history this week? Pure, lovely, just, true, good report, virtue, praise. I, I just can't figure out why I'm not growing in the Lord. I, I can't figure out why, why I'm struggling spiritually. I can't figure out why my, my mind is not where it should be. I can't figure out why I'm always angry or bitter or depressed or worried. I can't figure those things out. It'd be like a saying I can't figure out. I, I fed my, my kid, I fed him uh, uh, snickers for b- breakfast and snickers for lunch and snickers for dinner, and then I topped it off with a little, uh, a little ice cream for dessert, and then I did that again the next day, and then ne- I can't figure out why my son's sick. Can't figure out why he's always lethargic. We need healthy, a healthy diet. And by the way, my wife needs to not listen to this too much because she's always on me about my eating choices, but, but a somewhat healthy diet, all right? You can still enjoy a few other things here and there, okay, all right? So I just got to get that in there because she's right now going to preach this to me on the way home. We're talking more spiritually right now than physically, but I'm using the physical analogy, all right? We need spiritual food coming into our lives, spiritual. What we think on determines what we act on, Paul showed us in that verse, so what's important as it relates to our diet, that which we allow into our hearts and minds with this idea of healthy growth, it's, what's important is the quality. The quality of our food is vital. The quality of our spiritual intake is vital. You cannot feed your mind with godless content all week long and expect to be dwelling on the goodness of God and growing in the grace of God. Let me say that statement one more time. You cannot feed your mind with godless content all week long and expect to be dwelling on the goodness of God and growing in the grace of God. We must take inventory. What is the quality of the things I'm bringing into my spirit, into my mind, into my life? I'm listening to, I'm watching, I'm talking about. We've got to be careful of those things. This this man right here, you see the picture of him with the Big Mac in his hand. You may not recognize him, maybe you do. His name is Morgan Spurlock. Some of you may not know him by his name, but you might remember a documentary that he did in 2004 entitled "Supersize Me. Anybody watch that or remember hearing about that, "Supersize Me? Morgan Spurlock was a filmmaker that decided he was going to do a 30-day experiment. He was going to eat three, days, uh, uh, three meals a day for 30 days from February 1st to March 2nd, 2003. He was going to eat only McDonald's. Now, before you get too bad on that, don't be a hater. I still, I like McDonald's. All right, I don't eat it a ton, but if if we bring up where we're going and somebody says McDonald's and my wife goes for it at that point, I love me some McDonald's. Have since I was a kid. I don't think I would love it three days a week, thirty thirty uh, days out of the year. But he ate at McDonald's for that time. He ate every in that in that thirty days, he ate every item on the chain's menu at least once, if I remember correctly. If he ordered his food, whether the drive through at the counter, and the, the cashier said, would you like to supersize that? Remember that? The good old days, we used to be able to get supersized fries. Those were some good days. Political correctness has taken away our supersized fries. When, when they said, would you like to supersize that? He, it was his rule. If they asked, he had to say yes. So for 30 days, McDonald's breakfast, McDonald's lunch, McDonald's dinner. If they asked about supersize, supersize me. In 30 days, as a result, what he he had been relatively healthy. The 32-year-old Spurlock gained 24 pounds, a 13% body mass BMI increase. He increased his cholesterol significantly, experienced mood swings, fat accumulation in his liver, and several other health effects. It took him, under the guidance of a vegan diet supervised by a chef, it took him 14 months to lose that weight and to get all of those other health conditions that, that came in those 30 days it took him to get rid of those teaches us a couple of things that that's a great illustration spiritually if i I can of a couple of things number one shows us the importance of the, the diet the quality of what we're putting into our lives number two what it shows us is we can get unhealthy really fast even spiritually really fast you remember the children of israel They were praising God, living for God. God brought us through. He took us out of Egypt, got us over the Red Sea. Our God's the best God ever. I'm going to live for him forever. God, your name be praised. Amazing. Singing it all. They were singing his praises. Do you remember when Moses went up to the mount? Forty days, about a month, they were gone. They didn't just kind of stop going to church here and there. They didn't just get a little, eh. They changed religions. They completely started worshiping a completely different God. It was totally, and in about a month, and, and this shows us, even spiritually, we can we can regress, if you will, pretty quickly, and I want to just say, there's a lot of spiritual junk out there. Every, every broadcast on television that's a religious broadcast is not necessarily theologically sound and spiritually healthy for you. There are false teachers on television and on the internet, and, and by the way, how do you know if they're a false teacher or not? Is what they're teaching, does it line up with scripture? If I teach things that do not line up with scripture, I'm a false teacher. Now, nobody is perfect, and there'll be times I'll say something dumb, or I'll I'll, I'll get an interpretation wrong, maybe, or an application I might be wrong. There's no perfect preacher, but I'm talking about consistently preaching things that are not in Scripture, and in fact, go against Scripture. You've got to be careful. Just because a pastor wrote a book, and you heard great things, and it's on the Amazon bestsellers list, doesn't necessarily mean that's quality spiritual content in your life. You need to be able to discern and try the spirits, and if you're not sure, ask one of us, our pastors, or find a Christian that you know is settled in their, and stable in their spiritual lives and find out, but we need solid, biblical, theologically correct teaching, preaching, podcasts, programming, content in our minds. What kind of quality spiritual food are you feeding your soul and your mind on a weekly basis? Not only content, but frequency. Frequency. What kind of growth? How are you going to get healthy growth? It's based upon the content, the quality of the content, and the frequency of it. You've heard me give an illustration similar to something like this in the past. What if you asked me? Hey, Pastor Ryan, how was your week last week? Oh, it was good. Oh, did you you guys have any, how many times did you eat last week? And I said, oh, once. No, 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 not, not, not like today, not this morning. I mean like the whole week from last Sunday to yesterday at midnight, Saturday night at midnight. How many times did you eat last week? Once. You only ate one meal? Yeah. You'd kind of look at me and, and you'd say, you must be starving. You, are, you, are you just, you're, you're hungry? You're going to grab one of those donuts on the way out? What about the week before that? How many times did you eat? Once. Last week, you only ate one meal. And the week before that, you only ate one meal. What, what's going on? Well, what about the week before that? Yeah, once. Do, is everything okay? What, how are you feeling? Are you, are you tired? Or, what does the doctor think about that? And what if I said, oh, no, that's, that's all I need to be healthy. I just need one meal a day, um, a week. One meal a week. That's all you need. Yeah. I mean, it's a really good meal every week. It's every Sunday morning. I go to this restaurant. I, I, I get up in the morning. It takes me four or five hours. I get dressed. I go. I sit there for a couple of hours at the table. It's, some of, it's, it's awesome. We have a good time. We, we spend time together. I meet a couple hundred other people and we eat together every Sunday. It's an, in fact, you should join me for that meal next Sunday. It's an awesome meal. It's really one of the highlights of my week. It's it's, it's such a good meal. It fills me up. It's so good. But you can't live on that one meal on Sunday. Physically, we would all understand that. But how many Christians? How many times did you eat last week spiritually? Once. Once. But it was a great meal. I hope it was. I don't, I don't know if it was or not, but I hope there's some good content here, some good quality as you come to church. I hope you're learning and growing in God's word. It was a great, I had a great time. man. it was, it's one of the highlights of my week. That's great. And it's good, but it's not enough. Why why do we have a Sunday night service tonight and a Wednesday night service? And why do we have, why should we have in our lives daily time in the Bible? Why? We need more than one, one meal. Why do we think we only need one serving or two servings or three servings of spiritual food per week? And if I asked you, how often do you eat? What would you say? Every day. Every day. And if I said, how often should we eat every day? Most of us would say, two or three times a day for a meal, plus a few snacks here and there, and we'll grab something there and get a little little smoothie there and get that pick up a bag of chips there and eat some fresh fruit there. And in between those meals, we need more things, what, to sustain us physically. How many of you, you can tell when you haven't eaten, it's been too long, and it starts affecting you. You get hungry, and not only hungry, you get hangry. Anybody like that in here? And, And my wife sometimes will tell me, I can, you need to get something in you. You're a little grumpy today. When was the last time you ate? And, uh, and, and I tell her she's wrong. That's not true. I'm never grumpy. But, but sometimes our, your blood sugar's a little low. Anybody been there? And you can just feel it. I don't have the strength that I need. Man, I gotta get something. I gotta eat a protein bar. I gotta, I gotta grab some, some, some whatever. We understand that physically. Why do we think, well, I went to church Sunday. It's all good. I can make it through six days spiritually. No, we get a little weak spiritually. We, we get some stuff in our bodies that isn't real, in our minds that isn't real healthy. We, we have this struggle at work and we, we see this thing we shouldn't have seen and we get this fear in our minds and we need, just like you understand, if, how many of you have already eaten something this morning? Let me just see, anything. You've already eaten something this morning. And how many of you with your hands up that have already eaten something this morning, you're gonna eat another something today, later on? Probably most all of us, right? And if you haven't eaten this morning, unless you're fasting for a reason, you're probably planning to eat something today. We understand that physically, but why don't we understand the power and the importance of the frequency of our diet, spiritually speaking? And may I just say this, every meal that you eat is not memorable, and every meal is different, but every meal contributes to your overall health and strength. Every church service, every time you open the Bible to read it, it's not going to be the most amazing epiphany. The angels are not going to sing every time, and the lights start to flicker in your room. And boy, that was just the most amazing, revolutionary spiritual experience. If you had a bowl of Captain Crunch this morning, that was not the most amazing culinary adventure you've ever been on, but it helped to contribute to giving you a little something in your body this morning. So sometimes I think we feel like, well, I tried to open it and read it, and it didn't really do much for me. I didn't have all these bells and whistles. No, but it contributes to your overall spiritual health, just like a meal does. I read an interesting article that came out this week. The Center of Bible Engagement compiled extensive research findings into a document entitled Understanding the Bible Engagement Challenge. And here it is, Scientific Evidence for the Power of Four. In the study, they they polled 40,000 believers aged 8 to 80. They wanted to see how people were engaging, thousand, eight years old to 80 years old, how people were engaging in Scripture. And as they compiled the results, they made a profound discovery they were not even looking for when they originally planned the survey. The study indicated that when people engaged in the scripture one time a week, which could include a pastor instructing the congregation to open your Bibles, there was negligible effect on some key areas of their lives. The same result was true of people engaged in the scripture two times a week. The result equaled little to no effect. Three times a week saw a small indication of life. There was a slight pulse. A faint heartbeat. Something moved in the behavior of the person engaging in Scripture. The eye-opener happened when Bible engagement reached at least four times a week. Meaning, you might go to a couple services at a church. You might be a part of a Bible study. You might open your Bible and read. You might listen to an audio Bible or audio book that's filled with scriptural truths. You're engaging in the Bible at least four times a week. This is 40,000 people. This article came out this week. Here's what they said. A steady climb... Of those with one, two, three, four would have been expected, but that was not the case. The level was of impact was basically stagnant over days one and two, with a small bump on day three. But when day four was reached, the effects spiked in an astounding way. The stunning findings included the following things that happened on with those that, that regularly engage with scripture four days a week. On that fourth day, as far as that 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 group that was here's here's what they found. The feelings of loneliness dropped 30% in that group. Anger issues dropped 32%. Bitterness in relationships dropped 40%. Alcoholism dropped 57%. Sex outside of marriage dropped 68%. Feeling spiritually stagnant dropped 60%. Viewing pornography dropped 61%. Sharing your faith jumped 200%. And discipling others jumped 230%. The research, they said, literally leaps off the charts. These findings hammer home the truth that there are profound differences between people who engage the scripture at least four times a week and those who engage with the scripture less often. This data is extremely revealing. Listen to this. Integral to these findings is that people who engage the Bible one to three days a week, listen to this, one to three days a week indicate basically the same effect on their personal lives As those who do not engage at all. The deceptive reality is that they can feel good about their activities without any sustainable results. They think they're being good Christians, but their lives are no different than people who aren't Christians at all. The reality is that with a lack of consistent Bible engagement, defined as at least four times a week, Christians have less confidence in sharing their faith and are more vulnerable to falling prey to false teachings, as well as lethargy and apathy in consistently living out their faith in their circle of influence. The studies show that the best spiritually based predictor among teenagers 13 to 17 years old was their engagement in Scripture. The other side of the coin is equally conclusive and encouraging. The more Christians read or listen to the scriptures at least four times a week, the more bold they will be in sharing their faith and growing in their faith. Their lives will begin to have a profound impact on those immediately around them. There will also be fewer times of stagnation in their spiritual growth. They will become viral in their faith. The power of the frequency of our spiritual meals. Think about it. Again, go to the physical analogy, which I didn't come up with. It's in Scripture. Babes in Christ, milk of the Word, meat of the Word, grow in grace, be born again. It's, it's in Scripture. Think about this physically. If you ate one meal Monday, Wednesday, Friday, you know what your body would constantly be doing? It would be in this state of deep weakness, struggle, not health. You'd get a meal. It would kind of give you a boost, and then it would go back down for another two days. We understand that you're not going to be really strong and vibrant and healthy and probably running a marathon and, and do it on three meals a week. But you start to where it becomes a daily thing. Then we can function and do what God's called us to do. We understand that physically. Why don't we understand that spiritually? Yeah, I'm faithful to church. I come every Sunday morning. That's great. But our purpose of teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you How are you growing? Well, again, for our family, why are we gonna be back in church tonight? Why? I want us to grow some more in the gospel. And, and tomorrow, why are we gonna spend some time around God's word before we come to school? And our family's not perfect at this and our family struggles at times with daily time together. But but why do we encourage our teenagers and even bought a devotional for our youngsters, our, our eight and nine year olds to daily try to get some time? Why? Because trying to plant some seeds, the same reason we're gonna feed them lunch today after church, we want them to be physically as strong as they can be and spiritually growing in our lives. You don't, and, and by the way, let me just say that you don't have to eat a six course meal Three times a day to be healthy. Sunday morning may be your big spiritual meal of the week, and that's okay. You don't have to spend two hours in church or in your Bible every day, but every week throughout each day, we should be feeding our, lo- our minds and our souls and our spirits with spiritual food, with godly music that gets us dwelling on the goodness of God, with daily Bible time, with helpful podcasts. I- I've met re- recommended two from pastor friends of mine that I know is good quality Bible content, 10 or 15 minutes a day. You you could use as a daily devotional, everyday truth with Kurt Skelly and, and, and enjoying the journey with Scott Paulie, who preached here in August. And, and you can, if you don't enjoy those, if they don't speak to you, find one, but make sure it's good, sound Bible teaching. And it can be that where you're driving to work or you're out for a run or whatever it is that you've got a 10-minute podcast, a, a daily devotional book, a personal prayer time, periodic fasting and prayer in our lives, audio books, family devotions, family prayer, multiple church services per week, Week. Why? The frequency affects our health. The quality of our diet affects our health. The frequency of our diet affects our health. Let me give you the second thought and try to wrap it up. Not only healthy growth, but slow growth. Slow growth. How many of you are over five foot tall? Let me just say, you're over five foot tall, and, and that's not meant to, I guess I could have said four foot tall, so everybody that's in here could have raised their hand. I don't mean to single anybody out. Whatever, whatever, wherever you're at. Whatever size you are, if you're four, over four feet tall, over five feet tall, can you point to the day when you went to, from three feet tall to four feet tall? Or the day when you went from four feet tall to five feet tall? That was the day. Steve, do you remember the day you went from four feet tall to... How does growth happen in our lives? Incremental. Tiny, daily, minuscule, imperceptible growth. We have five children. There's never been a day that we sat down for dinner, put the meal in front of them, and then as we got it from dinner said, that meal right there, that's crazy. You just grew three inches from that meal. There's not been one of our kids that's ever grown three inches sitting at our table. And that's never happened to any of you either. Now, sometimes it can feel that way. Like, man, they're growing, they're growing they go through a growth spurt. But what generally happens is you've been away from somebody that hasn't seen you for a while, for a month or two or a year or two, and when those kids are in that growth phase, then they see him and they say, I can't believe how big he's gotten. And you know what? When we're there daily, we're not waking up and saying, you're so much bigger today than you were yesterday. No, it's just imperceptible, daily, small growth. And over the course of time, over days, weeks, months, years, even decades, the growth becomes astronomical, slow growth. And by the way, sometimes I just mentioned earlier, I think we're looking for, I'm looking for that one church service that's going to change everything. I'm looking for that one message that's just, and, and there are some pivotal moments in our lives, just like there are big days in a family where the family grows the day of a child is born. That's a pivotal moment in a family. They now have a new child in that family, and that changes the look of the whole family. But, and so there are some pivotal church services maybe where we find Christ, or God really gets a hold of our heart there. Maybe he burdens us for missions, or whatever. There's some pivotal services, but I think sometimes we're looking for this amazing lights, bells, whistles. Change my whole life today. No, and you know what the Christian life really is? It's eat some spiritual breakfast and eat some spiritual lunch and eat some spiritual dinner. And guess what? You didn't see much growth today. And I opened God's word and I, I tried to read some of it and I saw a verse here or there, but it really didn't make a huge impact. And I spent some time in prayer and I, I decided one, one day this week to fast a meal and give that time to pray to God. And I listened to that podcast and I went to church and I didn't you know what hey we're gonna make god's word and god's house a little more of a priority and started going to church another service a week and 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 it doesn't seem like i'm seeing these drastic changes there is no growth physically like that it's it's incremental it's imperceptible that's not how growth works but but over the course of weeks months years we'll be shocked at how much growth we see in our lives or in the lives of a loved one let me illustrate as we get ready to close This was in a few weeks, 21 years ago, February 11th, 2000. I have here a picture from our wedding day, Santa Clara, California. It was pouring down rain that day. There's our, I think that's an old 50s Rolls Royce or something we were getting ready to leave our wedding in. You can see, this is what our family looked like about two decades ago. A guy with a little more hair, and my wife looks the same. Actually, she looks better, but she can't say the same about me. But here it is. This is the Thompson family about two decades ago. And, and we, if we go, we look about eight years after that. We go about eight years down the road from, from this picture, and we come to this. Here's the Thompson family about eight years later. Now we've got three children. There no newborns. We've got, I think about, if I'm guessing, about a six, four, and two-year-old there, Ashlyn, Titus, and TJ. You can see over here, little TJ's probably three and a half feet Titus right there, cute little buddies. They love it when I do this stuff to the church and show these baby pictures. This is their favorite part of being a pastor's child. And, uh, and here they are, six, four, and two. You'll probably see them doing this after church where they kiss TJ on the cheek like that. And, uh, but here it is about eight years later. And by the way, there were some big days in those eight years of our growth, three of them when three babies were born. But you know what most of those years look like? They look like making some oatmeal, making some cream of wheat, cooking a casserole, throwing a roast in the crock pot, stopping at McDonald's, grabbing something on the run. There were some big days. There were some really memorable days, three of them when they were born. But most of those eight years that led to the family growing like this didn't look all that amazing. They just looked like normal days. And then we go about eight years later, seven, eight years later, right before we moved down here, our family took a trip to Hawaii. I was preaching over there. We took the whole family. We need to do that again. I think it was the last time our whole family has been in Hawaii. But here we are about eight years after that. Now the family's grown again and we've got a bald little one-year-old there, Annalise, and she's now in first grade, and we got little Trey right there, and and the kids have grown. Titus is up here, almost to his mom's neck there, kind of right, right up there. He's almost getting close, and TJ's grown, and you can see some amazing growth. If you look at the height right here, Titus is at my waist and, and here he's getting up to my shoulders and, and you can see the growth over about eight years. And I think we have a picture about a year ago, the last family picture we kind of took uh, professionally there. That's gonna be the last one we take because Titus is still shorter than me there and we're not gonna get another picture where uh, people see that he has now outgrown me. But again, look from, from 20 years ago to, to 12 years ago to whatever this was, five years ago to a year ago. And you can see Annalise looks a whole lot different than she does right here and couldn't even get her to look at the camera. She's got her finger in her mouth and no hair. And Titus is now taller than his mom and TJ's getting up there, which now he's shot up as well since then. And, and Ashlyn is the same height she's been since she was 12 and, and uh, we still love her for that. And Trey's growing and catching up to Ashlyn there. But, but what do we see? Again, we look back over 20 years and the growth is Amazing but it was slow growth. There was never a day where we looked and said, wow, any one of you grew a ton today? No, it was daily. And may I say this in your Christian life, there is power in just faithfulness. Power in being faithful to God, faithful to his house, faithful to his word, daily time with him. And I don't see anything happening. And dad, we, we, ate, we ate macaroni and cheese tonight. I didn't, I didn't grow it all. Dad, what's wrong? Nothing's wrong. Just keep eating, son. I read my Bible and nothing really changed. What's wrong? Nothing's wrong. Just keep reading. And keep going when you feel like it, when you don't, and grow, and get a devotional book, and, and listen to that music that puts good, godly thoughts in your life. And and we never, ever, in any of these years, sat down at one meal and got up talking about how much somebody grew. The same is true in our spiritual lives. Faithfulness leads to growth, consistent, daily, imperceptible deposits into your spiritual health. So what is the purpose of the Christian? I told you last week, with purpose of, for you and the purpose of our church, to share the gospel, and secondly, to grow in the gospel and so we want to structure our church ministry to facilitate that growth it's interesting we have more resources probably available for spiritual growth with online services and all of this apps and bible apps and all of that than maybe any other generation in history has had and yet it seems like we probably have in many cases less attention than maybe any other generation in american history at least to spiritual things here's the question how are you doing in growing in the gospel? Have you stagnated? Is your family complacent? Do your teenagers have no spiritual desire? Is, is, is your family ever have anything spiritual that you're talking about, that you're growing in, a book you're reading together? Is there an excitement for the things of God or do you come to church out of duty? Well, I gotta go do my religious duty again. Gotta go eat that meal again. I guess I'll go do it. How's your spiritual growth? And by the way, again, we're not robots, so nobody's spiritual growth looks like this. We all have peaks and valleys. We all have seasons where we're really excited and growing, and other seasons where it feels like, what's going on? Why is my relationship with God so stale or so stagnant? How's your daily Bible reading and Bible memory and Bible study? How's your church attendance? How's your time with God? Should you consider a daily devotional, download a Bible app to get on a program to read through a book of the Bible, or maybe you want to set a goal over the next year or two or three to read through the entire Bible or study a specific book of the Bible or a specific topic or character. Maybe start attending another service each week. Here's my question. Have you stopped growing? My passion for our church is that all of us would be growing. If you've been saved for years and you're still like the illustration of little Angus, if you're still a spiritual toddler, something's not healthy. Something's not right. As newborn babes, if you're brand new, you don't have to understand it all. Just get a little milk. Newborn babies only, they drink like an ounce, two ounces. Just get, a, get an ounce or two. You don't have to read 10 books of the Bible tomorrow. Go read 10 verses and learn something and then desire it again and Listen and grow. Why does our church exist? What is our purpose as Christians? share the gospel, to grow in the gospel. Thank you for listening to Messages from Liberty. Tune in next week for more Bible teaching or subscribe on iTunes to stay up to date with our current series.